It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 361 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Raven Wins. It is May 27, 2022, and this is Jen. I've got a whole bunch of stuff to read to you today. So much stuff went up in the last, uh, in the time span between the last episode and this one that I had to like pare it down a bit so that I don't have like a two hour show. Um, Some of it was repetitive. There's a lot of news sites that talked about Raven's Union, and uh, well, I'll just get started then. So I'm going to start with the New York Times. And they wrote an article here on uh, May 23rd, and it's titled, A Vote by Activision Workers Could Give Unions a Foothold in Gaming. And the blurb says, Employees at a company subsidiary complain about long hours and low pay. On Monday, they could vote to form the first union at a big U.S. gaming company. So I'll read you some of this. It's written by uh, Kellen Browning. Um, And it's featuring uh, someone I've referred to as Tech Jess. So that's Jessica Gonzalez. And there's a lovely picture of her in this if you want to go see that. Everything I talk about will be linked into the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. So, Jessica Gonzalez can sometimes still hear the eerie theme music for one of the Call of Duty video games in her mind. She jokes that the soundtrack will play on a loop in her subconscious when she gets older. Throughout the mid-2010s, Ms. Gonzalez spent months working grueling 14-hour overnight shifts at Activision Blizzard's offices in Los Angeles as a quality assurance tester, combing the video game developer's shooting game for glitches while trying to stay awake. It is dystopian, said Ms. Gonzalez, 29. I don't know why they put people's ages in there, but they did. That's fine. Uh, it's It really is exhausting sometimes because you feel like you're pouring from an empty cup. Ms. Gonzalez and other Q and QA testers were crunching, and you guys know what that is, but if you don't, a term in the video game industry for prolonged stretches of intense work before a game's release. Employees are often given shifts of up to 12 to 14 hours each day, with only one or two days off each month all in the name of meeting a deadline to ship the title to players. Discontent over working conditions at video game companies has been growing for years, driven by anger about the crunch periods experienced by Ms. Gonzalez, as well as by poor pay, temporary contracts, and sexual harassment in the workplace. Now, some game workers are considering unionization, which would have been unimaginable just a few years ago. Their interest has also been fueled partly by low unemployment rates, which have led workers to believe they have more leverage over their employers, as well as a lawsuit last year that thrust Activision's problems with sexual misconduct and gender discrimination out into the open. About 20 quality assurance workers at Raven Software, a subsidiary of Activision, will vote on whether to unionize on Monday. If successful, the Raven workers could would form the Game Workers Alliance, the first union at a major North American video game publisher. Though it is a small group, it would be a symbolic victory for organizers who think gaming industry workers are ready for unions. And it goes on from here, and I'll let you read the whole article if you choose to when you're done listening to the show, I suppose. So also on May 23rd, um, 
IGN posted Raven Software QA workers officially vote to unionize. So I'm trying to like, as this progressed, you know, I hope I have these in the right order. Uh, this was written by Rebecca, Rebecca Valentine. And the blurb says Activision Blizzard faces NLRB complaint over illegal anti-union threats. A group of quality assurance employees at Raven Software have officially voted, they updated it from since the title went on, in favor of unionization with the National Labor Relations Board with a final vote total of, of 19 for and 3 against. The vote count was announced today over an official webcast meeting. Approximately 28 employees were considered eligible to vote, 24 votes were submitted, and two of the votes were challenged and rendered invalid. The remaining group voted to legally form the Game Workers Alliance, making it the first North American video game union at a AAA gaming company. Indie studio Vodio Games unionized late last year, and I know I read about that late last year, apparently. Um, this move legally allows members of Game Workers Alliance to, bar- to bargain with Activision Blizzard management over their employment contract, a process we are likely to see unfold in the coming weeks and months. But at the moment, it seems unlikely that the publisher will make this process easy. The company has reportedly been actively discouraging Raven Software employees from voting in favor of the union through both town halls. That's where you like force your employees to sit and listen to anti-union propaganda in a hope to sway them away from what's actually going to be good for them. That's what that is. Reportedly have been, have been actively discouraging Raven Software employees from voting in favor of the union, both through town halls and official emails, and a Bloomberg report from earlier today indicates that the NLRB is readying an official complaint suggesting their threats were illegal union busting. Uh, Here's a quote from the Game Workers Alliance. Our biggest hope is that the union serves as an inspiration for the growing movement of workers organizing at video game studios to create better games and build workplaces that reflect our values and empower all of us, said Game Workers Alliance in an official statement. We look forward to working with management to positively shape our working conditions and the future of Activision Blizzard through a strong union contract. But, you know, that's the key from this particular article is those paragraphs. We've got Vice. Uh, written on May 23rd, Raven Software QA votes to become first major video game union in the United States, written by Patrick Klepek. A huge event in the crunch-prone video game industry, which has long resisted organized labor. The quality assurance team at Raven Software, a studio owned by Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard that contributes to the mega-popular Call of... Mega-popular? <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, Call of Duty Warzone has officially voted to unionize. The vote was 19 in favor and 3 against. In video games, the quality assurance department and we know this but somebody might not if they're new to this helps identify bugs and glitches and is often underpaid and understaffed the union is called the game workers alliance there is a embedded tweet from the game workers alliance which is at we are gwa on twitter and it's a group of these employees and it says happy union day we won and they're looking really happy and some of them are you know doing the like the fist up kind of thing and there's some I don't know. It's not a protest sign. It's probably, it's got some pictures on it and it says something like support our workers and that kind of thing. So it's really cool. Um, And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine people in that. That's a pretty good number considering there was 20 that I guess uh, came in to vote. While it's not the first video game union in the United States, it is by far the most high profile and the vote comes amid Activision Blizzard being acquired by Microsoft and a broader inquiry into sexual harassment and assault at Activision Blizzard. Quote, 
We respect and believe the right of all employees to decide whether or not to support or vote for a union, said an Activision Blizzard spokesperson in a statement. We believe that an important decision that that will impact the entire Raven Software studio of roughly 350 people should not be made by 19 Raven employees. So this is a signal that they don't actually believe in the right of employees to decide whether or not to support a union because they're already trying to say, well, all you people that weren't part of this vote. They just spoke for you. What do you think of that? And I think uh, Activision Blizzard is going to be surprised when they say what we think is the rest of us need to do it too. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. One major reason this vote happened was poor treatment by the workers by Activision Blizzard in 2021. We know there was a strike and they talked about forming a union, all this other stuff. In recent months, Raven Software workers accused the publisher of curiously shifting staff around to thwart organizing. And just today, Bloomberg reported that the U.S. Labor Board prosecutors, quote, determined Activision Blizzard illegally threatened staff and enforced a social media policy that conflicts with workers' collective action rights. An Activision spokesperson told told Bloomberg the allegations are false. But I don't think they're false because this is what people were reporting from their lived experience from working in there. I mean, I don't think that's false at all. If you don't remember, as soon as it seemed like this union thing was going to get rolling, Activision decided to, well, Activision Blizzard, I guess, um, decided that the best way to stop the union was to rip apart the group that was in the Q&A testing and split them off into various other pieces of Activision and or Blizzard to separate them so they couldn't talk about a union. That was kind of what they were doing. So, you know, evil company does evil things. So moving on, we've got The Verge. And this one says, Activision Blizzard subsidiary wins union vote. The Game Workers Alliance voted to form the second video game union in the United States, written by Ash Parrish. This one's interesting because it has like a workers, it's sort of a gray, black and white uh, image with a worker's fist and a raven sitting on top of it and like a little design in the background there. So uh, let's see if there's anything new in this one. They do have the uh, the tweet from Game Workers Alliance that I described just a minute ago. Okay, here's a little bit more about what I was trying to explain within this. And I'll skip ahead because, you know, they all have the same information about, hey, they got their union. But Activision Blizzard was persistent in its attempts to stymie the or- the unionization movement. Days after GWA formed, Raven QA employees were broken out of their single department and distributed across multiple teams. The company also failed to voluntarily recognize the GWA, triggering the election process. During that time, the company petitioned the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, to determine that the voting unit be composed of Raven's software employees instead of just the QA workers trying to unionize, which could have potentially diluted the majority needed to formally elect a union. So how that works is this is a, this is the QA team and uh, they wanted uh, Activision Blizzard wanted to have the Raven software employees do this and not just the QA workers. Because if you can get more people in there and you're an evil company that really honestly doesn't want you to have a union and have like a good workplace and some, you know, worker protections, then they're going to try to stuff as many people into the voting on that in an effort and hope that a number of the people that, you know, are in there will vote no 
because they've been brainwashed to believe the garbage that big companies try to push on you when you're trying to make a union. So that's that's what that's about, basically. In April of this year, the article says, Activision Blizzard converted over 1,000 temporary and contract employees to full-time and granted them a minimum base pay starting at $20 an hour. Although all of the QA employees at Raven had already been converted to full-time status, they were informed that they would not be eligible to receive the minimum the minimum salary pay bump. In an email to the company, Brian Raffles, studio head at Raven, wrote, quote, Through direct dialogue with each other, we improved pay, expanded benefits, and provided professional opportunities to attract and retain the world's best talent. Raphael's language touted the company line Activision Blizzard had used since the unionization process began, that employees can win benefits they seek only through, quote, direct dialogue with their employer. It is language that Tom Smith, National Organizing Director at CWA, has called, quote, the most tired anti-union talking points straight from the union busting script there is in fact a script starbucks was using it various other places are using it where you kind of pressure your employees to say this union is not going to support you only we can do that which is delusional because in when you get to the point where your employer is trying very very hard to prevent you and your fellow workers who desire to have union protection from getting it Trying to like brainwash someone or to, um, you know, try to make them think, oh, only we can help you doesn't work overall because the reason the people are unionizing at whichever business this may be is because they've been treated terribly and management won't listen and corporate won't listen. So they have to do this on their own to get a union that will, in fact, protect them. So this kind of language, there is literally... A, a script for this that, that companies use because they think it works and it almost never does. To commence, Activision Blizzard requested the NLRB reconsider its decision to hold the vote, a request that was denied. Hey, group that's going to support all of these workers and get them what they need, we'd like you just to not hold a vote. Yeah, that obviously didn't work. In a wholly separate but related matter, the NLRB said it has evidence that the Call of Duty publisher violated labor laws. In a report by Bloomberg, the NLRB stated that Activision Blizzard threatened employees, stating that they could not talk about wages, hours, or working conditions, and implemented a restrictive social media policy that also interfered with employees' protected organization rights. The news broke hours before the union vote was read aloud, and if the company does not settle, the NLRB has stated it will formally file a complaint. Activision Blizzard has denied the claims, but that's what they did. And um, today the union voters, despite the monumental efforts of their employers, were finally able to exercise their protected right. There's a little bit more in there, but there's that one. There's an account called A Better Ubisoft. It's like a a better ABK. um, And it started uh, after A Better ABK started their Twitter account to kind of, you know, get unionized and call for better treatment. Um, So a, A Better Ubisoft uh, has quote tweeted someone named Shannon Liao, who is a video games journalist for the Washington Post. And she tweeted, it looks like she was in a thread too. So this is the first tweet of her thread. Raven Software employees just won their union election with 19 votes yes, three votes no. It's a significant vote as the Game Workers Alliance will be one of the first blockbuster gaming unions in the United States. And a better Ubisoft says, today is a great day for our friends at Raven and a huge leap forward for games industry workers organizing across the U.S. Hashtag a better games industry, which I think they're going to get. I think incrementally this is going to work. Now, a lot of them are quoting the Bloomberg thing, and uh, I'm glad they're doing that because 
it's hard to like Bloomberg kind of sits behind a paywall sometimes and it's just kind of a hassle to try to get back into that. So, and then we have Vice again. This was written on May 24th by Patrick Klepek, same guy I think that wrote the other Vice article. This one is titled, Activision Blizzard is acting like a company that's scared of a union. And the blurb says, Raven Software's QA team has formed a union and a small step that may tell us a lot about the future of the video game industry. Okay, on a quiet Zoom call yesterday, a historic event occurred. The quality assurance team at Raven Software, one of the studios behind Call of Duty, Warzone, voted to unionize. The vote wasn't even close. 19 votes in favor, 3 against it was a landslide it's easy to take this moment for granted or inevitable given the endless ugly headlines surrounding activision blizzard's conduct in the last year it's a company under heavy criticism entirely of its own doing and because of how it did and didn't treat its workers one consequence of those actions is the first union at a major video game publisher in the u.s forming a union is one step negotiating a contract is another messier one but it's worth taking stock of what has happened why there's so much anti-union settlement in a country dominated by corporate power and what activision blizzard's response to the union tells us there is basically an interview type thing or a you know that type of thing the author here patrick klepek says i recently sat down with my colleague rob zachney as we talked it out as part of an ongoing series we're doing at Waypoint, which is part of Vice. Previous entries include discussions about Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard and Sony buying Bungie. Um, there's kind of a lot. Okay, I'll read to the first part here. Patrick says this. It's true that Raven Software's QA team forming a union is not the first video game union in the United States, and it's true that video game unions already exist in other parts of the world. Okay, there's my answer on that one. They do exist in other parts of the world. But Rob, this moment, even if it only applies to a few dozen workers at a mega publisher with thousands of employees, it feels like a huge moment that we'll look back on a decade from now. It's one thing for video game developers to tell a pollster they're interested in unionizing. It's another to hold a vote and actually become a goddamn union. My first experience with the union, says Patrick, uh, came as a bagger at the local Jewel Osco store, or grocery, which means he's in the Midwest somewhere. I grew up out there, and I used to be a bagger at a Jewel Osco at some point um, when I was in high school. Uh, okay, so at a Jewel Osco grocery, putting all that game, all that time I spent with Tetris on a Game Boy to real-life use, parentheses, a bagger is the person at the end of the checkout line who is, well, take a guess. The store was unionized, which meant I had to pay union dues. There was a massive age gap between management, people in their 30s, 40s, and above, and the teen workforce that did much of the grunt work at that store. Much of what I remember from that period was collectively complaining with teenage colleagues about how our already tiny paychecks were slightly tinier because of the union dues that did what? I was never even given a pitch on why the union was helpful to me. I then grew up in the era of union collapse, one where the only time you probably heard the word union was in a teacher strike on the news, prompting your parents to grumble for understandable and who's going to watch my kids while I'm at work, and and less charitable reasons. Oh, they're all overpaid anyway. I was a teacher for a while. Yeah, they're not... They're not overpaid. Um, Cycles of negative reinforcement of my first impression. I also worked at Kotaku when Gawker Media unionized, a watershed moment that led to a lot of other unions. I cannot tell you that I was a big cheerleader for the unionization effort at the time, though I wasn't opposed either. I was mostly indifferent. Yeah, sure. There wasn't a big hell yeah moment when I cast my vote. That feels weird to admit now. The person who thinks everyone and everywhere should be unionizing their workplace, but it's an honest evaluation of my own evolution on the topic. It goes on from there a little bit, and then uh, Rob responds. 
Uh, at the Ultra Foods where I first worked, there were few more long-term employ- There were a few more long-term employees in their 20s and 30s because the store tended to draw from a lot of working-class neighborhoods where the regular schedule of small increases to hourly rate made it a pretty decent gig. While I was there and later at a factory unionized under the Steelworkers, Steelworkers Union is pretty strong. Um, I also noticed that a lot of coworkers my age or or a little older had pretty extensive life plans around those wage increases, and they were something reliable that you could put next to college tuition or starting a family or saving up enough to start a small business. It was a completely different mindset from a lot of the college bound or summer breaking workers who, for whom these jobs were just short term gigs to bank extra cash. The idea was that the real money would come later. The games industry, like a lot of others has run on a similar promise. You don't pay union dues. You play, you pay professional quote dues that are the cost of a ticket into better roles that offer some combination of greater creative input, greater compensation, greater resources and greater responsibility. But there are, just aren't that many first-class berths anymore, and if a job won't pay an opportunity, it needs to pay in coin. At least that way, you can have some kind of a plan for your life that doesn't involve a stroke of luck, promoting you into a much better career track, and maybe even build up the kind of cushion and security that makes it easier to find a better job. That's something that, in the origins of this strike, Activision pretty pointedly denied this QA team, and with the typically cruel end-of-year layoff in December, where several people were let go, and the rest of the team was plunged into uncertainty about their roles and their workload. I keep thinking about how remarkable it is that the straw that broke the camel's back at this studio is something that is practically standard practice in this non-unionized industry. And that makes me more hopeful about what comes after this union drive in some ways, because if this was all stemming from some uniquely horrible environment, you can imagine how easy it would be for studios to turn around and tell the rest of their employees, well, at least things are better here. Instead, this is a group of employees in a part of the industry that's incredibly conditioned to being jerked around and exploited who have responded to a routine provocation with extraordinary force. And I'll let you read the rest if you care to. Um, Moving on, we have the Washington Post. And this was written on May 24 by Shannon Lau. And I mentioned her just a minute ago because she got quote tweeted um, in a good way. Uh, Activision Blizzard Worker Committee demands anti-discrimination reform. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go, right? List of demands sent to management notes issues around stolen breast milk human resources investigations. So there's there's that. A group of 12 Activision Blizzard employees. So this isn't the Raven one. This is Activision Blizzard. Have formed an anti-discrimination committee aimed at combating sex and gender discrimination at the company. Even following the settlement of a September 2021 sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit brought forward by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the group says more action is needed from the video game publisher. Quote, My hope in joining the committee is that we don't let the fever die down until there is meaningful, long-lasting change, said Emily Knife, a senior motion graphic designer at Blizzard. Quote, at the end of the day, I would like to go into work and not have to think about anything but my work. But based on everything that has been happening, even well before it broke through the headlines, it has been taking up a sizable portion of my day, having to think about the inaction of leadership, end quote. The committee gathered a list of demands, which they submitted Tuesday morning to Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick, Diversity Officer Kristen Hines, and Chief Human Resources Officer Julie Hodges. Over four pages, employees detailed demands, such as workers' being able to meet with the Employment Opportunity Coordinator on Diversity and Inclusion Initiatives, who was appointed at the start of the federal sexual harassment settlement. So they have one. 
They should be able to talk to that person. Uh, Their other demands include ending undocumented chats with human resources, restricting retaliation against employees who file disputes, and the institution of independent investigations around discrimination claims. Quote, we appreciate that these employees want to join with us to further build a better Activision Blizzard and continue the process we have already made. Activision Blizzard spokesperson Jessica Taylor said in a statement, we have, for example, already upgraded our lactation facilities, waived arbitration, hired new DEI and EEO leaders, and collaborated with employees to make our policies and processes more trans-inclusive, just to name a few, le- a few issues the letter raises. The list also calls for an end to mandatory arbitration in discrimination cases. In Activision Blizzard's statements, Taylor said mandatory arbitration of individual sexual harassment and discrimination claims has been waived, a change the company announced last October. The company stated that the new diversity officer, Hines, would work closely with her team and employee resource resource groups while partnering with the Equal Employment Coordinator. Quote, we look forward to understanding employees' concerns with regards to HR discussions, Taylor said. If employees are uncomfortable discussing this with HR that they should approach a senior leader whom they trust. Taylor added that retaliation is prohibited and any employee found to have retaliated against anyone for making a complaint would be terminated immediately. As for internal investigations, the company said it combined its investigations group with into one central ethics team separate from human resources and hired more ethics team members. One of the demand letter pages is dedicated to demanding private lactation rooms, claiming that previously, quote, breast milk was stolen as fridges were not secure. The lactation room issues were publicized on Twitter last December by former Blizzard senior test analyst Jessica Gonzalez. She's amazing. Uh, citing other women at Blizzard who had negative experiences. The room didn't have enough outlets to make things work. The door was not secure. People could walk in. The refrigerator was... It eventually had to have a lock put on it because people were stealing the breast milk for reasons I can't even comprehend and sometimes storing beer in there. So they they did kind of fix some of those things, but it needs to be better and safer. This is a quote. Nobody else on my team had given birth ever since my team existed, said a former longtime Blizzard employee who told the Post, the Washington Post, that from 2016 to just before the pandemic started when work from home became the norm. She used lactation rooms that were ill-equipped. She requested anonymity, and she is involved in the lawsuit against the company brought forward by the California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing. The employee's building did not have a lactation room. She had to walk to other buildings on Blizzard's campus to access their lactation rooms. Access access to a lactation room is legally required in California, so they're screwing up there already, or they were. Yeah, sometimes in 2016, she would see another male employee making phone calls or taking a nap within the room. I didn't know that. And on one occasion in 2019, she said her breast milk had been taken out of the fridge and left out until spoiled. She checked one lactation room fridge and it was being used to store beer. The chairs in the lactation room also reclined when people sat in them, which posed a problem. Um, If you've, uh, you know, it it doesn't work well if you're trying to use a breast pump, basically, is, is, you know, what she's trying to say there. I'm going to skip ahead a bit. In February, Activision Blizzard's Human Resources Department told employees they had installed a pin code lock system for access and later in March Blizzard said a system for booking quiet rooms on the Irvine California campus was live according to messages viewed by the post and confirmed Tuesday by Activision Blizzard. The company says it has added new locks and additional lactation rooms and confirmed that reclining chairs can be adjusted to sit straight. 
Members of the committee said employees at the company will have a chance to provide feedback via polls and plan to keep accepting input from employees. The list of demands also spells out several points regarding trans rights, including the creation of an employee trans network similar to how the company already has a women's network, support for employees before and after a transition, and for software tools to be wiped of employees' dead names, the names trans employees were given at birth. Here's a quote from the spokesperson. Uh... Employees who, who see that we are still using legal names where not otherwise required by law can create an HR ticket or otherwise approach an HR team member that they trust. Unfortunately, some jurisdictions around the world require employers to use legal names. In those cases, when required by law, we do so, said Taylor, the Activision Blizzard spokesperson. Taylor noted there is a trans group within the LGBTQ network at the company. Employees are also asking for 12 weeks of paid time off as parental leave and 100 percent compensation during that time as opposed to the 10 weeks that are currently offered now for those of you who are listening to this show and you do not live in the united states we don't have any official ruling um or requirement that companies actually give parents any paid time off any i think california has a little i'd have to look it up but most of the nation doesn't offer that and if you take time off you generally don't get paid for that time off um and it's not usually 12 weeks it's a lot less and it's not the type of thing like i know there are some countries and i don't know i don't remember off the top of my head how this works where there's you know a a reasonable amount of time off and when one parent runs through that the second parent can can you know parent the baby at home and get their time off and they get paid the whole time we need something like that here for obvious reasons. The group of Activision Blizzard employees said in their list of demands that in addition to fixing internal corporate culture, the company could also address online harassment from customers. They ask that the company ban gamers caught harassing customer support or community employees and that the workers should be able to file incident reports on harassment from customers. The company responds that it promotes, quote, a safe and respectful community environment and that testers can use randomized in-game names to prevent gamers from targeting staff. That's not what they're asking for. Yeah, Activision quality assurance tester Kara Fannin said that as part of her duty, she has to hop onto voice call in Call of Duty Vanguard to test the mic, but then faced harassment from players on multiple occasions. Quote, that can take an emotional toll sometimes if I'm trying to check something out in a live environment, and I'm doing it, and I'm constantly hearing these things, Fannin said. Or I'm to test the microphone, sometimes I get nervous because if people hear that I sound like a woman, sometimes that's enough for some people to go off. You got to brace yourself sometimes before going in, knowing that some people might just be throwing slurs around and actively trying to upset people. Employees who spoke to the po- to the Post, the Washington Post, said that while the company has promised to impl- improve c- culture, they remain dissatisfied. So there's that going on. Uh, and so basically what I'm seeing here is that Uh, the unionization efforts that were successful by Raven Software is definitely making other employees at Activision Blizzard push for better treatment and push for a union. I think that's where it's going to go. I think that's the only way it can go. And that's wonderful to see. All right, I've got an article here from Axios, written by Stephen Totillo, who writes a lot of stuff for... He's the author of Axios Gaming, so that's why we hear him his name a lot when I read these things. This one's titled, Gender Discrimination Lawsuit Against PlayStation Returns, because some companies suck. <laughs> you know? Um, here's some little pieces. They usually write it in, like, bullet points, you know, to give you, like, the basics. So, former PlayStation employee Emma Mayo, or Majo, M-A-J-O, Majo, is again suing PlayStation in a potential 
potential class action gender discrimination lawsuit, this time in California, after a federal judge dismissed her first lawsuit last month. Why it matters, Sony, like other video game companies before it, faces allegations it had a sexist workplace. But Majo, who said in her November suit that she was fired after complaining about gender bias, has encountered more judicial skepticism in the early going than others. Driving the news, the new narrower complaint is no longer national. Instead of seeking damages for all women who worked at PlayStation in the U.S., it's trying to get them for women below the vice president level who worked at PlayStation's California locations, including San Francisco and San Diego. The new lawsuit largely collects allegations made in Majo's original, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, original November complaint and those of several other women who work or worked at PlayStation and described their experience in declarations, experiences in declarations made public in March. Incidents involve women allegedly being passed up for promotions as men in the same department advance, unequal pay, retaliation, dismissive complaints about women's abilities, and a Deloitte study that said it is, ha- is said to have found that Sony had a very low percentage of women in management positions compared to peers. The suit states, because of Sony's systemic pattern and practice of gender discrimination, the plaintiff and members of the proposed class have suffered harm, including lost compensation, back pay, employment benefits, and emotional distress. It specifically alleges violations of California's Equal Pay Act, and that's why this lawsuit is probably going to do pretty well in California. We have a lot of laws that help people and stop, like, these kinds of oppressions, you know, and you can get it through the courts and off you go. This does not mean every court in California has good judges, but, you know, your odds are better than if you went to some of these other states that um, maybe aren't so nice. We have another article here from .LA. This one's from May 24th, and it says, Read the discrimination memo Activision workers sent to management. It's four pages long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is written by Samson Amore. Uh, In the wake of a historic successful unionization drive at Activision Blizzard subsidiary Raven Software... Activision employees in Los Angeles are now ramping up pressure on the video game developer, sending a lengthy memo to management on Tuesday, laying out demands on workplace issues ranging from the company's handling of sexual harassment cases to trans workers' rights. The four-page letter obtained by .LA, that's uh, literally D-O-T dot L-A, that's, and it's their... Um, the actual URL is it's in the URL of the website and it's actually the name of the thing so that's kind of cool how that was the same so obtained by .LA was sent by members of A Better ABK a coalition of Activision Blizzard workers that began mobilizing late last year amid the high profile workplace misconduct controversies that have arisen at the Santa Monica based company A Better ABK sent the memo one day after the employees at Activision Wisconsin based Raven Software Studio voted in favor of certifying their Game Workers Alliance Union the first labor union at a major video game publisher in the U.S. Following that labor victory, a better ABK, which is not a union, has now taken the initiative and laid out a series of demands to Activision via a newly formed Workers' Committee Against Sex and Gender Discrimination. Those demands include ending the practice of mandatory arbitration. Some of this is the same thing that we're hearing in the other one, you know, uh, talking about parental leave and lactation rooms to be better and all this other stuff that I just said. Uh, there's also a section addressing Activision's treatment of transgender employees. The memo demands support for trans workers pre, during, and post-transition, as well as the creation of a trans network supporting trans employees at Activision, and an advisory committee of support for human resources recruiting and employees at large 
at large regarding trans issues in the workplace. A better ABK is also demanding that Activision institute stricter enforcement of its anti-harassment policy for gamers and content creators who would be subject to bans for violating the policy. Here's a quote. We believe it is imperative that workers have a voice in Activision Blizzard's anti-discrimination policies. Without that, the company's culture of harassment and abuse will continue to go unchecked. A better ABK member, Emily Knife, who works as a senior motion graphic designer at Activision, said in a statement, I think I read part of that in a previous article here. Sources told .LA that a better ABK sent its letter Tuesday to Activision CEO Bobby Kotek, Chief People Officer Julie Hodges, and Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer Kristen Hines, who recently joined the company in April. There's a quote from that. Heightened tensions between management and employees at Activision come as the game developer looks to finalize its $69 billion sale to Microsoft, while Seattle tech giant has... While the Seattle tech giant has said it won't stand in the way of union efforts at Activision, the gaming company refused to voluntarily recognize the Raven Software Union, which set the table for Monday's vote. And there is all of these pages here. If you want to read them, they're in that article. Um, Another one here from uh, GameDeveloper.com, NLRB, Activision Blizzard, quote, illegally, end quote, threatened to staff. This is written by senior editor Brian Francis, Bryant Francis, and here's what we have. The uh, U.S. Labor Board prosecutors, this is written on May 23rd, um, have determined that Activision Blizzard illegally threatened staff members and violated employee workers' rights, employees' workers' rights, by enforcing an overly broad social media policy. So see, they're screwing up already. The National Labor Relations Board provided a statement of its assessments to Game game Developer, which is this site. It sounds kind of weird, though, in context. Um, The NLRB's Los Angeles area office is planning to file a formal complaint against Activision Blizzard unless the publisher reaches a settlement with the agency. These allegations specifically support the claim that Activision Blizzard has threatened employees in the exercise of rights guaranteed by Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. Quote, the employer has threatened employees that they cannot talk about or communicate about wages, hours, and working conditions, the complaint reads. Activision Blizzard apparently also, quote, told employees they cannot communicate with or discuss ongoing investigations of wages, hours, and working conditions, maintained an overly broad social media policy, enforced the social media policy against employees who have engaged in protected concerted activity, like unionizing, threatened or disciplined employees on account of protected concerted activity, engaged in surveillance of employees engaged in protected concerted activity, and engaged in interrogation of employees about protected concerted activity. That's the unionizing, that's the um, walkouts, that kind of thing. The NLRB looked into this complaint and found merit to the allegations. There's a blurb here we should know. Uh, note here that the U.S. labor law works differently than the U.S. criminal law, and Activision Blizzard has not been found guilty of criminal behavior. Wow. Should the company not settle this complaint with the agency, it will go before a hearing in front of an NLRB administrative law judge. A spokesperson for Activision Blizzard denied the NLRB's findings in a statement to Game Developer. These allegations are false. Employees may and do talk freely about these workplace issues without retaliation, and our social media policy expresses expressly incorporates employees' NLRA rights, they stated. There's some descriptions in here from someone who... Is named Thomas Lenz, a USC Gould School of Law lecturer who used to work as an NLRB attorney, if you want to know more about how that works. Um, and again, this news comes as Raven was set to count the votes. Uh, we know the outcome of that right now. So there's that. There's a little bit more in here if you want to check that out. We have from gamesindustry.biz on May 27th, written by Danielle Pardis, SOC urges shareholders to vote against re-election of Activision Blizzard directors. 
Group states Kotick and company, quote, failed to recognize unsafe workplaces and calls for replacement. The SOC Investment Group, we've had like investors and stuff be really mad at Activision Blizzard for quite some time, uh, released a letter urging Activision Blizzard shareholders to vote against re-election of several of the company's directors. Ahead of the publisher's annual meeting on June 21, the SOC has advised to move to stop Bobby Kotek, Brian Kelly, Robert Morgando, Robert Cordy, Barry Meyer, and Peter Nolan from retaining their positions, which is exciting because I know how many of us would like to see especially Kotek out of there and, you know, these other people too. Sure, why not? Get rid of them all if they're not doing right. In the letter, the SOC said that each director, quote, failed either to recognize that Activision Blizzard for years maintained unsafe workplaces exhibiting frequent and repeated sexual harassment, sexual assault, and gender discrimination, or to appropriately address the company's, quote, frat house, and quote, culture once it was publicly revealed. That's pretty damning, actually. You know, that goes back far. I've said this before, possibly on social media, uh, maybe not, but if... If 2021 was the fuck around year, 2022 is the find out year. And some companies are getting that right now. You know, it adds that, quote, it is incumbent to hold these current directors accountable for their multiple failures to act and the resulting reputational harm and declining share price. The SOC calls for the replacement of the incumbent directors, but says it's, quote, far from sufficient to restore shareholder confidence, end quote, in the company's board. Um, In April, the SOC released a separate letter that asked shareholders to vote against Microsoft's acquisition of the embattled publisher, but the deal was approved later that month. Other recent efforts to hold Activision Blizzard accountable have seen some traction, however. Ahead of last year's annual meeting, the final decision on executive pay was delayed by one week, following urges for shareholders to vote against the firm's say-on-pay proposal, which included a $150 million payout for Even with the delay, the proposal only just made it through with 54% of shareholders voting in favor. Another issue due to be raised at next month's meeting is the state of New York's request for Activision Blizzard to release an annual report on how it handles abuse, a proposal that the board has advised shareholders to vote against. I'm thinking they're going to vote for it now. They're already mad, you know. Then we have on 9to5Mac, Apple is in talks to buy EA Gaming. Disney, and Amazon, also potential suitors. Now, that's a weird title, which makes you think Apple is buying all of these at once, but no, this is Apple in talks to buy EA Gaming, which Disney and Amazon are all maybe wanting to do as well. And this is written by Allison McDaniel on May 23rd. So we've got a lot of, like, gaming companies being gobbled up by bigger things, you know, um, or merging. So I'll read you a little bit from this. Video game publisher Electronic Arts EA is actively seeking a potential buyer or merger. Apple has reportedly been in talks with the company about buying EA out, according to Puck. I don't know what Puck is, but there's a link. Disney and Amazon have also been in talks about purchasing the video game company. The Redwood City-based firm has published hits like Apex Legend, Madden, or sorry, Apex Legends, Madden, and The Sims franchise. I have played The Sims a little bit. 
That's about all. Um, the idea for a buyout or merger came after Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard for $68 billion early this earlier this year. That number keeps changing no matter what article you're in. It's 69, it's 68, it's 70, it's 70 point something. I don't know, but it's a lot of money, so that's enough. Shortly after Sony purchased Bungie, the studio behind Destiny, for $3.6 billion, according to Puck, EA ideally would like a merger so Andrew Wilson can remain CEO of the combined company. EA's roots actually actually go back to Apple. Back in 1982, Apple's then director of strategy and marketing, Trip Hawkins, left the company to start EA. A buyout wouldn't be Apple's first venture into gaming, however. The Cupertino company unveiled its gaming service, Apple Arcade, back in 2019. Through Apple Arcade, uh, users can play ad-free games on their iOS, macOS, or and tvOS devices. EA spokesperson John Raceberg said the company would not comment on, quote, any rumors or speculation relating to M&A. Uh, Raceberg said, we are proud to be operating from a position of strength and growth with a portfolio of amazing games built around powerful IPs made by incredibly talented teams and a network of more than half a billion players. We see a very bright future ahead. Apple has not commented on a potential deal with Electronic Arts. And then there's a little blurb here about something the writer thinks. Now, me personally, I've mentioned I play on a Mac for the most part. I've been playing, um, and I really need to get back to it, I've been playing Diablo 2 Resurrected on an Xbox S, and I'll be playing Diablo immortal on a tablet a little tablet you know <laughs> but it'll do i did it when i was in i don't know if it's a beta or an alpha or whatever but that now the problem you have if you use mostly you know apple's stuff is there's a lot of games you can't play because it's only made for pc or you know that kind of thing which is why i have the xbox to play diablo immortal resurrected so um for me if they do this it sounds to me like people like me who are mostly using you know mac stuff um might have access to more games you know i can't imagine that if if it's true that apple wants to buy ea and they go ahead and do this i cannot imagine they're going to be like yeah that's okay you can put games for pc on here because apple's just like very you know like proprietary and all in everything's all in one and all of that so for me it'd be kind of cool to have some ea games that we can play you know that kind of stuff i think it'd be neat we'll have to see how this one goes but then (laughs) there's this uh, Kotaku has an article written by Ethan Gatch on, it says Wednesday, so I guess Wednesday. EA tells devs it won't take stand on abortion rights, encourages, quote, healing circles. What the fuck is a healing circle and why would a company, you know, like, uh, okay, the FIFA, FIFA, which is it, FIFA? publisher is the latest to be grilled by staff on Roe v. Wade. So here is some of this article. Electronic Arts won't be joining some of the other big game studios in publicly supporting abortion and transgender rights, Kotaku has learned. Asked about it during a May 24 company-wide town hall meeting, the gaming publisher told staff it couldn't take a stance on every public issue and that, quote, being an inclusive company means being inclusive of all those points of view. According to one source familiar with EA's town hall yesterday, many employees called on the company to make public statements in defense of both abortion and trans rights. Chief People Officer Mala Singh responded that the company only speaks out when it will, quote, actually have a positive impact and is, quote, a consistent perspective among all 13,000 employees around the world based on a transcript of the meeting verified by Kotaku. So let's see. That means people, Chief People Officer Mala Singh does not think talking about these things will have a positive impact, which is 
absolutely opposite of what so many other companies are saying about it, um, of different types, not just gaming companies, and that the only way they're going to decide that it's something that they want to support is if all 13,000 employees around the world support it. All of them. One person says, nah, I don't want to support this. Oops, oh well, blow away everybody else's, you know, ability to have support, I guess. The thing about the world today is there is a lot of division. We know this, right? We see it every single day. But the thing that unites us is that we're all here to make amazing games and experiences for our players. And that is how we have the most positive impact on the world, Singh said. These things are hard and they're personal and we all have our own perspectives. And sometimes we don't speak and that will be upsetting. And I understand that. We really do. They're choosing not to. They're choosing to stay away from this. They're choosing to not support the people, you know, the 13,000 employees around the world that they have, some or many of whom probably would like to have their company be supportive because what the hell, you know? They got a statement, Kotaku got a statement, quote, we're not going to comment further on the Global Town Hall as that is a company confidential forum. Corporate Communication Director Lacey Haynes told Kotaku in an emailed statement. It continued, that said, we work to create an environment where our employees can talk about complex issues in our world today. We do this in a number of ways, from town halls to Slack discussions, group dialogues, surveys, and more. From all of that, we recognize these topics are deeply personal, and we know there are many strong opinions, and some will be disappointed when we say that we're not making public statements because we're focused on the ways we can support our people around the world as their employer. That is what we're doing. In this case, making sure that people have access to the healthcare benefits we provide as a company, even if those aren't available locally. In lighter news, we have an article also from Kotaku. This one's written by CC Jiang. And this one is titled, Xbox Boss Says He Will Recognize Raven Software's Union After Acquisition Closes. Phil Spencer says that Microsoft will recognize the first AAA video game union once the acquisition is complete. Here's a little bit from that. In today's internal all-hands meeting with Xbox Game Studio employees, written on uh, yesterday, actually, uh, head of Xbox Phil Spencer said that he would recognize Raven Raven Software Union. This came after the QA testers at Raven voted to form the first labor labor union at a major studio. Uh, We know a little bit about that. In a previous all-hands meeting a year and a half ago, Spencer said that he didn't have much experience with unions. In today's all-hands, Spencer addressed that previous statement, quote, Linda Norman and I have been spending a lot of time educating myself on unions, Spencer said. We absolutely support employees' right to organize and form unions. Kotaku was able to verify this quote from a video taken of Xbox's remote all-hands meeting. Quote, once the deal closes, we would absolutely support an employee's organization that's in place, he said. We think it's a right of employees and something that can be part of a relationship between a company and people who work at the company. Spencer stresses that Microsoft does not currently have a relationship with Communication Workers of America nor the Union Game Workers Alliance. Um, There's a little bit more in there, but basically if they're going to support Raven's Union, they might support more. And speaking of Xbox, they have posted some stuff that has to do with promoting accessibility in gaming. So there's a thing here from their news site or the news portion of their site of Xbox Wire, it's called. Uh, Xbox celebrates the gaming and disability community for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, written by Anita Mortaglioni, who is the director of accessibility for Xbox. 
And here's what they're doing. Uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, GAAD, is a great time to bring visibility to the importance of digital access and inclusion and to celebrate the over 400 million players with disabilities playing and creating across the globe. Today, I'm excited on March 19 to uh, share some of the work Team Xbox has done in partnership with the disability community to continue uh, to bring the power of play and connection to more people. For it is only when we all come together are intentional about our focus on accessibility throughout the year and push for more representation in our games and people creating them that we can truly make Xbox a place where everyone can have fun and experience the joy of gaming. To us, this means foster inclusive communities, connections, and support. Gaming has the power to bring people together and share experiences they may not have otherwise had. We want to make it easy to find and connect with the community, to partner with game creators so you can influence the next game, and to provide support on accessibility features. Enable accessible design and development, including accessibility and partnering with the disability community from the start of a project results in experiences that more people can enjoy. But sometimes it's hard to know where to start or what resources to consider. We want to make it easy to include and understand gaming accessibility by sharing what we learn so that we and others can do more. Continual investment in accessibility. Accessibility features help players with disabilities play, create, and connect in their own way. We are committed to continually innovating and partnering with the community to consistently deliver accessibility features and innovations into our products, games, and services. Here's some of the stuff they're doing. With Minecraft, they've got um, the Minecraft Education Edition, which people can use in schools. And uh, they've got uh, a buildability launch and... It's one word kind of smushed together, the two words, and so you can use that in schools. Uh, The Minecraft learning experience promotes inclusive design thinking and problem solving rooted in empathy and social emotional learning. And the students can explore barriers experienced by people with disabilities by meeting an array of characters who reflect our real world and learn how to identify and eliminate accessibility barriers in their school and community. So I think that's a really concrete way to get kids to understand certain things. Like if you are a kid and you don't have any disabilities and you don't have anyone in your family that has disabilities that you're aware of, because you're a little kid, um, (laughs) you know, you might go and build like a a building structure in, in your Minecraft and then find that if if there is included a character that's using a wheelchair or using a walker or using a cane, that maybe they can't really get up those stairs. So you might think about that and go, well, what does our school have? And start to, you know, kind of advocate just because it's the right thing to do. There is an American Sign Language ASL Xbox Twitch channel. So uh, they have that. It's a Twitch channel. It is uh, Twitch at Xbox ASL exclamation point. Every day the Xbox Plays team goes live on the Xbox Twitch channel playing the latest and greatest titles from the world of Xbox. In April, they, they in partnership with Sorensen, a communications company with the largest interpreter base in the world, launched a new ASL Xbox channel featuring interpretation for approximately 25 hours of live stream each week. There's a link in this to, to see that. They have an Xbox Accessibility Insider League, AXIL, plus Windows Insider Program Partnership. It has grown to more than 163K members since its launch last May and is a streamlined way anyone who self-identifies as a person with disability or ally can provide accessibility feedback directly to Xbox engineering or game development teams. The Xbox team is now partnering with the Windows Insider Program to share new accessibility features in Windows 11 preview builds. So that's kind of cool. 
And then there's some things for design and development. There's um, Xbox accessibility guidelines, XAG's 3.0 update, including new mental health guidelines. Based off community and developer feedback, the latest Xbox accessibility guidelines update published this month includes a brand new mental health guideline in addition to guidance on reducing motion sickness. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I get that. Um, on-screen text legibility, contrast and input guidelines. New examples and implementation details have also been updated in this release. And here's the gaming accessibility resource hub with all the stuff they've got going on. And there's more. Uh, making it easier to find accessible games. Last fall, Xbox announced the addition of accessibility feature tags for games in the Xbox store, making it easier for players to find games that have one or more of the 20 accessibility tags that were that were defined in partnership with the disability community and user research. Now with over 400 titles tagged and over 100 with five or more tags, we are excited to share players can now search and filter by one or more tags to find their next game. This feature was based on community feedback and we look forward to continuing to incorporate suggestions in the future. That's awesome. And some of the filters, there's like a, someone has picked two filters, uh, adjustable difficulty and on-demand tutorials and so there's a filter session uh, section here and one of the things that is included is on-demand tutorials um, it also has adjustable difficulty pausable progress saving options um, custom volume control spatial audio steady camera oh man steady camera i have watched people play games where it's got a lot of what I call shaky cam. Like if you've seen a movie or seen a video game where like some character is first person view sort of thing and running through some area where it's uh, not flat surface and it's moving around in weird ways, I get sick. I get nauseous from that. So I'm, I, I'm really glad that they're going to, you know, give people the opportunity to not have to put up with that if you don't want to. There's console and platform accessibility features that you can remap buttons to uh, suit you. And there's a bunch of other stuff. They're going to put uh, ASL and BSL, that's um, American Sign Language and British Sign Language, into Forza Horizon 5 and others. Um, this is some good stuff. This is some good stuff here. Xbox is a good company, it seems. And then they've got, actually, the Xbox Adaptive Controller Game Your Way. And it's um, $100. And it's a flat rectangle. Well, it's not quite flat. It's a little bit up off the ground and it's got the xbox button you would use to turn on an xbox controller and two buttons that are like screenshot button kind of things it's got the little plus sign embedded in it instead of being um kind of a little bit upraised as you would have on the controllers and it's got two large circles that you can tap to maneuver through the game i would assume and there's some people using it and um i'm just going to read you a little bit when everybody plays we all win a passionate gamer and relentless creator, Spencer Allen had an accident that left him paralyzed from the chest down. Building on the Xbox adaptive controller, he created his own rig with the addition of custom buttons and joysticks, giving him precise control to play Halo and Call of Duty at the level he used to. And there's all these like little like things showing you like how you can hook things up and how you can make it work for people with different disabilities and stuff like that. It is apparently supported by uh, Warfighter Engaged, Cerebral Palsy Foundation, the Able Gamers Charity, and Special Effect, the Gamers Charity. Um, and it's really neat. And the reason I know about these two things is um, because Red October has posted them in the Shattered Soulstone Discord, where you can post like news type stuff like this. And I think it's awesome because I, I am disabled. I have 
uh, a neurological disease that's also an autoimmune disease. And I have more allergies than probably anyone you know. So that is also an autoimmune disease. And like a pause button because I'm going to cough or sneeze or something would be great, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so it's good to see a company that's actually like, yeah, we want to make it accessible to people with disabilities. That's fantastic. Okay, you may have seen some of this. We're moving into the Diablo stuff a bit more now. Um, making ga a game for everyone, Dia Diablo Immortals accessibility features, which is fantastic because I'm going to need this, I think. So this was written on May 27th. We believe games are for everyone, no matter their ability. This is why the Diablo Immortal team is committed to building a game experience that is accessible to all. We are happy to share an overview of the first round of accessibility features that will be available at the game's launch. I think that's June 2nd. Um, our initial focus has been on control and chat features to ensure as many players as possible can experience our core gameplay while still being able to form deep social connections. We hope any one or combination of these features will allow players to the gameplay experience to their needs. So the control features, if you want to use a controller, and this one kind of looks like an Xbox controller, it's a little drawing, and it's on like the background and with the lettering that you would see for like a Diablo kind of, you know, thing. It's really kind of interesting in that. And it's pointing out like all the buttons that you can map and how you can map them. Uh, you will be able to play Diablo Immortal with controllers on both mobile devices and on PC. Your controller's presence should be automatically detected the moment the game is launched. Many controls, including skills, accessing chat, and more, can be remapped from the controller tab of the settings menu. There's a free cursor for UI navigation. While using a controller by default, pressing the right arrow on the D-pad will activate a free cursor that will allow you to access and navigate non-gameplay interfaces of the game. The free cursor keybind can also be changed from the controller tab of the settings menu. Repositioning skill buttons, and here's how you do that. Chat features. There's resizable chat text which is amazing. So the default, it's like a little tiny thing and not everybody can see that easily. So there's other options. There's large print and then there's extra large print and you can click on that to see it at a size that might be better for your eyes. Yeah, so it says increase the legibility of chat text by enlarging its size up to 2000%. You may select from one of three text size options for the expanded chat interface. This can be adjusted from the chat tab of the settings menu. In the future, we hope to expand this feature to allow you to adjust to the size of text in the chat preview window on the main game screen. They're also doing voice, trans uh, voice chat transcriptions for chat so that if you are someone who is deaf or hard of hearing, you can read it as it comes out. It's a voice chat transcription control that's been added alongside party voice that chat controls. Um, and you can toggle it on and off as you want to. There is text to speech for chat. So um, if you, you know, if you're not someone who is able to type things in for whatever your disability is, you can actually just use text to speech and speak and it'll give the text without probably using your voice. Maybe. It says once enabled, the text to speech feature will narrate incoming chat messages aloud with a synthetic voice based on the chat channels you have enabled. The feature boasts additional customization options to adjust narr narrations to your needs. And at the top, it says you can toggle it on and off, that kind of thing. So if you're someone that really doesn't want your voice to be in there, or if you uh, prefer to hear, what's being said as opposed to reading it, especially if you know it's going by kind of fast or whatever. Uh, yeah, so you have the ability to control which chat channels are narrated 
audio alerts to separate messages from each other. Option to have players' own messages be narrated, so you could like talk and have your message be narrated into the group. Uh, two options of voice packs to select from. Narration speed and volume control. Text-to-speech chat commands for easier control of systems settings. And there's some videos in here kind of showing how that works. Now, I haven't looked at them yet, really. But um, I think it would be interesting to do, you know, uh, text-to-speech if you are someone who... Well, let's go back to that article where one of the QA testers had to go and use the mic in Call of Duty and was obviously sounding like a girl and got harassed. This might be a way around it. Uh, there's also the reverse, speech-to-text. Uh, most modern phones include built-in speech-to-text functionality with their platform keyboards. We wanted to provide the same convenience to our PC players. This feature can be enabled from the chat set, uh, tab of the settings. Once enabled, the text-to-speech button will appear in the chat window, allowing you to convert your spoken words into editable text before sending it to the desired chat channel. There's audio cues for chat. They've been included to help notify you of important social moments in the game. This includes cues for receiving messages from other players, receiving party or raid invites, controlling voice chat, and sending voice memos, just to name a few. And then there's graphic features. Um, it You can increase the visibility of the game world by adjusting the world brightness option from the display tab in the settings menu and they're hoping to add additional visual accessibility options for higher contrast settings and color blindness in the future so this is fantastic this is really really good um and i think that's going to help a lot of people be able to play and maybe play for longer than they would have otherwise i can't remember who posted this into uh where I got this, I know I got it from just skimming through uh, the Shattered Soulstone Twitter and seeing what people have posted. It might have been Echo Hack, I could be wrong, but there's a book. There's a book on Amazon called Diablo Tales from the Herodric Library. It is hardcover. It appears that it's going to uh, be released on October 18, 2022. Now, I used to work in a bookstore, and I know full well that publishers have to put a date in order to get their product into something like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever else does this sort of thing. And that may not be the actual date. But, you know, they have to do this kind of thing. And I learned this the hard way when I was working at Barnes & Noble when people come and be like, oh, it's going to be delivered on that date. It's going to be released on that date. It's like, eh, maybe. And then they get all grumpy because they want the thing and you can't give them the thing. You know? um, so there's a description here. Horror's darkest authors throw open the doors to the Herodric Library, inviting Diablo fans a glimpse into the terrors that lurk beneath the world of Sanctuary. While the eternal conflict rages forever onward, horror and superstition of a purely sanctuary variety still prey on the hearts of its people. In a long time since forgotten, the Herodric Order was tasked with recording local legends, cautionary tales, and stories of the most twisted horror in the hope that some innocents might be saved by their knowledge. Now the vaults are open. Direct from the Diablo development team and horror's preeminent minds comes Tales from the Herodric Library, a short story collection exploring the deepest, darkest corners of Sanctuary and the evils that lurk there. I want this thing. <laughs> I want this thing so much. Um, I think many of you might too, but I just want to let you know it exists, but you can't get it till October. Uh, unless that changes, sometimes those dates will change, so we'll see. We have a Diablo Immortal uh, Blizzard thing. Diablo Immortal, your roadmap to hell. 
<laughs> uh, it starts with Skarn, I think, at the top, maybe? Or is that a Diablo? I'm not sure. Um, Skarn, Lord of Damnation, has amassed his battle-hungry forces in anticipation of your near arrival to Sanctuary. With an ashen gaze and ghastly gesture, the Demon Lord utters, We are waiting for you. In just a few days, it will be up to you, noble adventurer, to scour Sanctuary's many locales in search of fragments from the shattered world of stone. Only then will you have a chance in hell, haha, of thwarting Skarn's nefarious plan. Before you begin to traverse the eight expansive zones of Diablo Immortal as a barbarian, crusader, demon hunter, monk, necromancer, or wizard, we've assembled this roadmap to get you ready for hell. And when the, when the time comes, march into Sanctuary unabated. So there's um, a global launch schedule, which I think a lot of people have posted on uh, Twitter, you know, like retweeted it and stuff like that. But the schedule is going to be June 2, 2021 for a big part of the world and June 3, 2021 for a smaller part of the world. So uh, Los Angeles is going to go at 10 a.m. New York, 1 p.m. because of time zones. Uh, Santos uh, is going to be 2 p.m. BRT. London is going to be 6 p.m. BST and Paris, 7 p.m. CEST. Seoul gets 2 a.m. KST on June 3rd and Sydney, 3 a.m. AEST on June 3rd. You can preload for your PC. If you're going to play this on a PC, and I know a lot of people are excited about being able to do that, you got to preload it. So you got to get into like the Blizzard uh, Battle.net thing, and it'll let you preload Diablo Immortal for your PC. And you could do it today. Um, this piece of uh, news here was posted on May 26. So you could do it as of May 26, and you're probably going to want to do that before launch day. So go ahead and do that. There's descriptions in this. And again, everything will be in the show notes at ChatteredSoulStone.com. There's descriptions here of um, how to download it for Windows PC, what you need to do for Android and iOS, how to enable cross-progression play, community and customer support if you need that stuff. There's a whole bunch of frequently uh, asked questions, one of which is which servers will be available to play for my region. So They've got it split up by uh, North America West, North America East, Europe English, East Asia Korean, East Asia Japanese, uh, South America Portuguese, and you can you know see what those are. There's also uh, SA Spanish, uh, Europe French, Europe German, Europe Spanish, Europe Italian, Europe Polish, and Oceania. So that's what it is. There's a list here of what controllers you can use that are wired, ones that are Bluetooth, uh, iOS device things, Android things. How many adventurers may be in one clan and how many characters can my clan's name consist of? Each clan may consist of up to 100 adventurers. What you name your brave band of demon slayers is up to you, barring any profanity. But it must be between 2 and 24 characters in length. You may only belong to one clan at a time. If you wish to join another clan, you must first leave your current clan. Um, and there's more stuff in here. Minimum requirements for PC, recommended specifications for PC, uh, Android minimum requirements, iOS minimum requirements, all good stuff that you want to look at before launch day. Lord Fluffy did a Twitch stream talking with Wyatt Chang and the P-Child about, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I'm sure with Wyatt Chang there, there were a lot of questions about Diablo Immortal and things like that. And always uh, with Twitch, Anything that's been streamed on Twitch has a video. You can go and access and watch it if you missed it. So that's in there. It's probably going to be pretty exciting. Echo Hack has a couple of videos out. One of them is called Huge Update, Warbands, Armory, Customization, Shadow War, and more, where he's talking about those things for Diablo Immortal. And then he's got Diablo Immortal Changes and Latest News, where he's talking about that. And we've also got 
a couple of things that I'm going to end out the show with here. Uh, as you may have noticed, um, today, uh, the 27th of May, Blizzard Entertainment's Twitter account said, In celebration of Pride Month, we are releasing a new Pride collection led by the Blizzard LGBTQ Plus Employee Network. All proceeds are being donated to the LGBTQ Center Orange County from May 27th to June 30th. For those that don't know, Pride Month is June, so they're getting ahead of themselves a little bit, and that's not a bad thing, really. And there is a link to the stuff that they have. So these are t-shirts with the Blizzard logo in, like, rainbow colors. There's a hat. Um, It's a dad hat kind of thing. And there's, uh, like, like, a... tumbler like thermos kind of thing stickers little slippers and little socks if you want any of those kinds of things and they're um well you can check out the prices and see what you think the uh it's a beach towel oh i thought that was a sticker it's a beach towel well well you know (laughs) and you know that kind of stuff if you want some of that stuff because you're going to pride and you want something that you can represent and maybe find other people that like to play blizzards games if there's someone that you love that plays blizzards games that would like one of these you can do that too or uh, another option um now i've heard this uh written down and i've read this in social media a couple of times typically what happens with in general companies that are like here's our pride stuff it's not worker-led but this one is even so uh companies that say all of the proceeds are going to go to this particular LGBTQ supportive group. They don't always do that. In this case, Blizzard says all of the uh, proceeds are being donated to the LGBTQ Center in Orange County. So if you want to support the LGBTQ Center in Orange County, but you're not particularly interested in buying something from Blizzard, because maybe, you know, whatever reason, you can actually go to their website and just donate directly to the LGBTQ Center in Orange County just on your own, whatever amount you want to do. If you want to do it, there's a way to do it, support directly. So that's good too, you know? So there's that. And um, since we do have Pride Month coming up, um, I have a Redbubble. I have Shattered Soulstone shirts on the Redbubble. And I decided for Pride that I was going to put, and I have in fact done this. I don't know if it's live at the time I'm recording this, but it should be soon. It's the Shattered Soulstone logo with the Pride flag behind it. You know, like fun stuff to wear to or just because you like the show or something like that. As you may have noticed, this show doesn't have any advertisement. We don't have any audible ads going on. We don't have any uh, ads put in by various podcasting company type things that will stick an ad in your show for you. And um, we don't have any you know, uh, host read ads. We don't, we don't do any of those things. So if you want to support the show a little bit, you can, um, check out the pride stuff. It's like I said, it is literally the shattered Soulstone logo with the pride flag behind it. And it's on shirts and mouse pads and all kinds of stuff. And it's on Redbubble. If you just want to get a shirt with the logo without the, the pride flag, we got that too. And it's like, you know, phone cases and other whatnot, but it's there. You know, I just wanted something that people could use or, maybe want to have for pride. And I also wanted to, you know, support the LGBTQ, which I'm part of. So there's that. And with that, I'm going to end the show. You have been listening to episode 361 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game, our in-game community and clan in Diablo 3 and maybe soon in Diablo Immortal, I don't know yet. Uh, Both named Shattered Soulstone are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.